Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So folks, great to be with you as we start the week. I can't think of a better way uh, than to put the Bible and the Holy Spirit and the church together. Uh, you mix that up. Uh, the Lord has to do something special. So let's come with an expectant spirit and uh, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this day. Uh, as we start a brand new week, we know, Lord, uh, a lot of potential is within this week. Who knows what you're going to be doing? We thank you uh, that you're like the wind, Holy Spirit. You blow different ways and you touch us in different ways through people, through circumstances. Uh, through taking the word and applying it into our hearts. So, Lord, we just want to give you the week. We want to give you the day. Uh, and, Father, we give you this half hour that you would speak to us in a fresh way. Uh, so I pray, Lord, that as we do Second Peter 1, uh, Lord, that you would highlight to each one of us that particular or those scriptures that you want to light up into our spirit uh, to make them very real and applicable. So Father, we thank you, um, and we thank you what you're going to do, and it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, before we jump in, let's stretch a minute, and uh, you can stretch, you can praise the Lord, you can do both, whatever you need to do to plug in. <clears throat> As I was looking at uh, Second Peter, there's a lot of good stuff in here, uh, a lot of good things. So let's read it. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his coin and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. 
Therefore, I shall always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And I've been established in the truth, which is present within you. And I consider it right as long as I live in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is eminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you may be able to call these things to mind. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we may know to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but man moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Okay, Second Peter, away we go. So there's a lot of good points. Um, let's kind of take it a little chunk at a time here. Verse 1 and 2, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so um, I just want to center in on one little verse there, verse 2. And I want to center in just a portion of verse two. And it says that peace would be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so my question, if you're wide awake this morning, would be this. Okay, how many of you would like the peace of God to be multiplied in your life? Now, I would think, thank you. I see a little bit of people that are awake. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm ready for that. Uh, I don't know anybody that would not like to experience a fresh and anew on a daily basis, the supernatural peace of Christ that surpasses your human understanding. And what I find is, is really special here and neat is that the Lord doesn't complicate stuff. Our God is not overly complicated. He makes it pretty clear and pretty simple. He says, if that's what you want, notice what he says here. Peace, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Okay, how is God's peace going to be multiplied in your direction? He says very clearly, in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, okay, do you want to know a supernatural peace from God? Then I think Peter's saying very clearly. Get a knowledge of God. Okay? If you want to experience the peace of God, get a knowledge of God. Find out 
who he is. Okay? How do we find out who he is? We get in the word. And we study the Bible from the beginning, Genesis, all the way to the end, to the book of Revelation. We study how God interacts with the human race. We study his words as he speaks to the human race. We study him even more so in his son, Jesus. Jesus is very clear. He said, if you see me, you see the father. So if you want to know what God is like, carefully read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Carefully listen to the words that Jesus speaks. Carefully watch how Jesus acts. As we do all those things, study the word as a whole, as we study the life of Jesus, we get to know the character of God. We get to know the character of God. We, and we get to know him not just intellectually, but as we keep praying over these scriptures, we begin to get to know God through the Holy Spirit experientially. We get to know his character. We get to know his personality. We get to know that he's a God of love. John 3.16, God so loved the world. And you could put your name in there, obviously. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. There, God said, I want you to know that I love and I'm a giver. I gave my son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's loving, God's good means he will always do what's best in your behalf. And I know when we're in the middle of different things and in the middle of problems that may not always feel or, or seem reasonable that God's good, but nonetheless, he is. So God is loving. He's good. He has all knowledge and all wisdom. He's the most wise person in the universe. So if he knows everything and he's wise, and he's loving and he's good, that means he's going to work everything to your good and my good. The Bible also says <clears throat> that he's sovereign, meaning he sits on the throne and he's absolutely in control. And there's no accidents and nothing can happen in your life unless God permits it. And if he permits it and he's loving and he's good, that means he's trying to work out a good plan in your life and mine. He also has all power all ability to do anything he wants to do. <clears throat> if you even get to know, or me, Psalm 23, one, just one verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just one verse, if we could grasp that under the illumination of the Holy Spirit, grace and peace would be multiplied. If you really believe, if I really believe, that God is a shepherd who wants to attend to my every need. And he is always seeking my best and my advancement and my walk with the Lord. I can't help but have peace. There's a verse, uh, and I like the translation uh, of this, Job 22, 21. It's translated different ways. But get this, Job 22, 21. Acquaint thyself with God and be at peace. I mean, let that sink in. Acquaint thyself with God. Get to know who God is. Get to know who the creator is who made the heavens and the earth. Get to know the one who made you in your mother's womb. Get to know him intellectually, experientially in the heart. Build a relationship with him. 
get to really know him the way you would know your very best friend. And the Bible says, acquaint thyself with God, get to know him and be at peace. I mentioned this uh, many times, but if there's one book beyond the Bible, I would recommend you meet, read because I know it has changed my life inside out is the God of all comfort by Hannah Whitehall Smith. I love the book because she drives home the point. God is a father. God is a shepherd. God's good all the time. And then she ends the book with God is enough. If you have God, if he's your shepherd, then you ought to know peace. And if we don't know peace, then I would wager to say for me or you, then we don't know God well enough because the more we know him, the more his peace will reign in our lives. If there's nothing else that we do in Second Peter, right off the bat, we're winners. I can't imagine how powerful that verse is. That peace would be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at verse 3, seeing that God's divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. God has granted, and notice the word, everything. Not a, not a few things. Not some things. God has granted to us everything. I underline it. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Again, how does that happen? How do we get everything? It says, again, through the true knowledge of him who called us. So, again, everything hinges on this knowing God, not just knowing about God in the brain, knowing about him. It's knowing him. There's a million miles difference between having data of God in my brain and experiencing God in my heart. Radical difference. And I hear Peter saying here, as we get to know God, then he gives us everything pertaining to life. So in other words, I hear Peter saying, if you want to have an abundant life, and who doesn't, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. If you want an abundant life, if you want a godly life, then I hear Peter saying, it's all yours in Jesus Christ who lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. So get this. Do you need joy? Christ is your joy. I think that it's something we really need to get a hold of. Joy is not a thing. It's a person. Okay? Joy is not a thing. It's a person. Joy is the personality of Jesus. He is a joyful person. And if you hang around him long enough, his joy begins to rub off. Do you need freedom? Freedom is not a thing. It's a person. Jesus is the most free person in the universe. You hang around with him and he'll give you freedom. Do you need wisdom? Wisdom is not a thing. It's a person. And Jesus is extremely wise. And again, as you get intimate with him, his wisdom begins to flow from him into you. Do you need healing? Healing is not a thing. It's a person. And I believe the closer we get to Jesus, the more of his health can rub off and his life and his vitality and his energy can rub off. So abundance for everything comes again through knowing the Father and the Son 
intimately. We also get to know about God if you look at verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So if you want to know some of these amazing things that God has given us, uh, then we need to know the Bible, because as we know the Bible, we get to know promises that God has made to us. There are literally thousands of promises in the Old and New Testament that God has given to you and me. They're there. They're just waiting to be accessed. Again, if you don't open the Bible, you don't know what the promises are. If you don't know what the promises are, how can you access them and make them a reality in your life? Let me give you a couple. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I'll never desert you. I'll never forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, though I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 8, 39, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs. I could go on and on and on and on. There are literally thousands of promises that are waiting for you to read and then be able to appropriate what they say. And verse 4, there's another neat statement here. We become partakers of the divine nature. Okay? Now take a minute and, and just ponder that just for a little bit. If you've given your life to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, when you made that commitment to Christ, he literally came to live inside of you through the Holy Spirit. So think about this. The resurrected, ascended, all-victorious Jesus. Let me say it again. The resurrected, ascended, all-victorious Jesus lives inside of you and inside of me. So what more do we need? I'm just going to pause for emphasis. If Jesus lives in you, what more do you need? You need nothing else. You are totally sufficient if Jesus lives inside of you. And the cutting edge for me right now, and maybe I, I believe for some of you, the cutting edge is I got everything I need if Jesus is in me. How do I access him? How do I take what's inside of me and make it a reality? And I believe more and more it's by faith. Thank you, Lord. You said you're this. Thank you. I appropriate it. I take it. I affirm it. Thank you, Lord. You said you'd do this. Thank you, Lord. By faith, I receive it. So you are partakers of the divine nature. Jesus is in you. If he's in you, whatever you need is in him. And I would just say, Lord, sure help me to, to, to get it because I've got it all. I just need to see it and I need to appropriate it into my life. Look at verse five to seven. 
Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and your moral excellence, knowledge, and your knowledge, self-control, and your self-control, perseverance, and your perseverance, godliness, and your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. So what I hear Peter saying, be diligent to grow in these qualities. Okay, you've made a commitment to Christ. You're born again. Now grow in these qualities. Grow in moral excellence. In other words, you're living a holy, holy lifestyle. Grow in your knowledge. Notice it says, of God. Your knowledge of God, not about God. We need to know God, not not just know about him and your knowledge of God. Grow in self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. Grow in perseverance. That seems to be one of the hardest things for most of us. We get impatient with God. He's not moving at our time speed. And sometimes people just throw it in, give us, ah, it's not happening. I give up. And I think the Bible is very clear. We need to persevere. We need to patiently keep going forward. If we believe God said he'll do something, then we have to persevere till he manifests that in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says to your perseverance, add godliness. I made mention of this before. Godliness is when people see you, they see Jesus. You reflect literally that Jesus in you shines through you. I made reference in the past of Mother Teresa that when people come into her presence, they sense Jesus. Oh, wouldn't that be great? If people come in your presence, the first thing they, they say is, wow, I experienced Jesus in you. I've given the illustration before of a fellow. I enjoy reading Smith Wigglesworth. Guy was so filled with the Holy Spirit. God did amazing things through him. One time, there's a report that he got on a train. And in the train, if you know, the, in the old days, you would, you would sit one way, two people, and then two people would sit the opposite direction, but they'd face each other. One time, Wigglesworth came, sat down on the train, just sat down, said nothing, and the people opposite cried out, you convict me of sin, and gave their life to Christ. Wigglesworth didn't even have to preach with his mouth. His very presence carried the presence of Jesus that brought the conviction. It says, to your godliness, add brotherly kindness and love. That is a big, 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 big deal. If you want to know how mature you are in Jesus, I'll tell you, it's really clear according to the Bible. It's how much of Jesus' love is coming out of your life. Okay, that's the bottom line. I'm not talking about human love. I'm talking about how much supernatural love of Jesus comes out of your life. John 13, 34. Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus loved people unconditionally. He loved them sacrificially. He loved them passionately. Study the gospels. He's the greatest lover of all kind. He says, Uh, Here, he commands the disciples back then and us to love each other, and I would say the world, with that kind of love. And you can't pull that off apart from the Holy Spirit. And he says this in John 13, 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
He said, that's the, that's the mark of a Christian. That's the characteristic of a Christian. That's what people should notice about us beyond anything else, that we love each other sacrificially, unconditionally. And I have to ask myself the question, how am I doing on that? And I have to ask you the question, how are we doing? Is that, is that what is literally the emblem of your life and mine, that people would say, that's a loving person. I see Jesus shining through them. I see his love coming clearly through them. That is the ultimate mark of a Christian. And in verse eight, he says this, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So he's saying, if you have a true knowledge of Jesus, if you've encountered Christ, all the stuff he said that I just shared, he said, those ought to be manifesting in your life. And he says this, not only should they be manifesting in your life, he says that these qualities are yours and get the word, here it is, increasing. Brothers and sisters, if we're the same today that we were yesterday, we're not moving forward. Christianity is never meant to be boring. It's never meant to be a bland thing or a stale thing. It is continuously moving. It's a beautiful thing. We can continue to grow. And not only that, if we're alive in Jesus, we will be growing. And we'll be knowing Jesus more as the day goes by. And not only will we know him more, we'll show him more. It's a continue, like a snowball going down a hill. Our walk should be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. More and more and more of Jesus should be shining in us and through us. And I think what Peter is saying this is if these qualities are not in our lives, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I really a Christian? Look at what he says. Nine, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from the former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make, here it is, certain about his coin and choosing you. In other words, Peter said, hey, make sure. Make sure you're born again. Make sure you're a genuine Christian because of these things that I just shared about moral excellence, knowledge of God, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kind. If they're not manifesting in your life, we got to ask, hey, am I the real deal? Am I just kind of going through the motions and not a genuine Christian? Look at verse 12 and 13. Therefore, I shall always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And I've been established in the truth, which is present in you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. Look at 15. I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you may be able to call these things to mind. I hear Peter saying this. I'm going to remind you of the truth. And I'm going to hammer it home over and over and over and over and over till you get it. And I don't know if you're like me, but I mean, I don't get things the first time. And maybe I don't get them the second time or even the third time. But if I keep hearing them enough over and over and over, they begin to they begin to sink from my brain and they get down into my heart, into my spirit. And that's what I hear. Paul, uh, Peter saying, hey, I'm going to say it over and over and over 
And that's the beauty of reading the Bible over and over and over, because sometimes we don't get it all the first time. You read it again, and you say, wow, how did I not see it before? So we need to be reminded over and over and over. Uh, Paul, in the book of Philippians 3.1, he says this, to write the same things again is no trouble to me. It's a safeguard to you. And in Philippians, which we're studying uh, another right, right? Uh, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he said, I say again, Paul just hammers it home. He says, guys, you got to get it. And I'm going to say it over and over and over and over and over till you get it. Um, So there's repetition we really need. Uh, For instance, I'd say just in the last couple of years, I've heard a verse for 40, 50 years. Uh, it's the verse, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will in you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. And I used to think, well, that's a nice little verse. It doesn't say give thanks for everything, but in everything. So Lord's teaching me, even in the hard times, thank you, Lord. In this, you're working something good. I don't get it. It doesn't feel good. But you're telling me I need to do that and do it. So I've heard that for year upon year upon year. It's only in the last couple of years. I guess I had to hear it over and over and over till eventually it got through into my heart and spirit. Verse 12. And he says here, uh, having been established in the truth, which is present with you. I think a key word there is established. Established in the truth. So it's not just knowing the truth, the Bible superficially. It's getting it rooted deeply into your heart, deeply into your spirit. How does the word get established? How does it take over your life? I think it's we read the word. We study it. We meditate upon the Bible. We begin to pray over and say, Lord, make this make this alive to me. Uh, It may not be reading. You know, sometimes we're going through a whole chapter. Maybe you read 2 Peter, and you're caught on just one verse. Peace be multiplied. You may miss the rest of it. You take one little tiny verse, and you work with it, and you pray with it till it comes alive in your heart. So how does the word get established? We read it. We study it. We meditate over it. We pray it, and then we do it. We put it into practice in our life. And at that point, it gets anchored in us. It's not just something that's in the brain. It's anchored deep in our spirit, and it gives us a tremendous stability when the storms of life begin to come crashing into our lives. Just a little bit more. Look at 16. Peter says this, For we did not follow our cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I like what Peter is saying. He says, hey, when I talk about a powerful Christ, I I didn't make this stuff up, okay? He says, it's not a cleverly devised tale, some human thing that, you know, I just want to pump up this man, Jesus, make him more real than he really is. Peter said, no, no, no. When I talk about Jesus, the powerful Jesus, it's not a tale. It is reality. It is reality. He says here, at the verse 16, he says, I'm an eyewitness. 
I saw him. I'm not giving you a tale. This is reality. I encountered Jesus. And the beauty of it is, uh, it's not just Peter. John says this in John chapter 1. Listen to what John, I love the Bible, how it fits together. It doesn't contradict itself. It complements. In 1 John chapter 1, listen to what John says. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we hear it is, what we've seen with our eyes, what we have beheld, and our hands handled. John said, I saw Jesus. I touched Jesus concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen, and we bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life with which uh, the Father was manifested to us. Uh, what we have seen, what we have heard, we proclaim to you. So if John and Peter, both of them say, hey, we, we know what we're talking about. We know Jesus. We saw him with our eyes. We heard him with our ears. We touched him. This is not a tale. This is a reality. We're not just blowing some smoke out here. This is the living deal. And he says here, verse 17, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such as an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And if you look at Matthew 17, verse 1, here's the story. Here's what Peter's referring to. It says this. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared then, talking with them. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And here it is. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So Peter says, I'm telling the whole truth, everything about the truth. Jesus is real. We've seen him. We've heard him. We've touched him. We've seen him do miracles. We saw that he was crucified. We see that he was resurrected. We're telling you the truth that can liberate and change your life. And then he says here, as we begin to wrap up 19, and so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. It's made more sure. Yeah, all the words are here, but Peter says it's sure because I know that I know that I know. I met Jesus. I believe Paul could say, I know that I know. I hated the Christians, but on the road to Damascus, I had an encounter with Jesus, and I know that I know that what he said he is, he is the Son of God. If he said he's the Savior of the world, he is. I know that I know that I know. And then 20 and 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. What Peter's saying here is that this entire book right here, okay, the entire Old Testament, the entire New Testament, 
is a totally unique book, meaning from beginning to end, the Holy Spirit moved on people, on men and women. And as he moved on them, he gave them divine truths that they were to record and put in a book. So the Bible claims it's different than any other book. And there's good Christian authors, good Christian books, but none can claim they're totally inspired. Only the Bible makes that claim. So if that be the case, folks, if there's any book we should be reading, if there's any book we should be studying, if there's any book we should be applying, it is the Bible because it is divine from beginning to end because it was moved by the Holy Spirit on the authors and is literally God's channel to make himself real to the human race. So he says, do this. It's do, it do well to pay attention to the word. Pay attention to the word. It's a lamp shining in a dark place. In other words, in a dark world that's confused. And folks, you go out into the world. I mean, there's a lot of messed up thinking, a lot of messed up lives. And people are groping in darkness, trying to get something to hang on, some kind of light, some kind of guidance. Peter's saying, if you need light in a mixed up dark world for heavenly day, get the Bible and read it because it is directions on how to have an abundant and a full life. So I would say this as I wrap up. Folks, this is an amazing book. It's an amazing book. Read it. Study it. Meditate about it. Pray over it. Put it into practice, and your life will be changed. Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this book will change your life. And I commend you to get up at 6 in the morning uh, to do that. I mean, that takes a little bit of doing. I just don't wake up naturally at five or four or six or whatever. I mean, you got to make an effort. So keep your soap up. Go beyond a half hour of a study. The more we study the word, the more we know Jesus. The more we know Jesus, the more we show Jesus. So what an amazing chapter. I just pray that uh, as you read it again, that God would take it and make it a reality in your life and through your life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for just the gems of wisdom that are hidden just in this one chapter, let alone all the chapters of your word. Father, it's like, it's like hidden treasure. Lord, as we read each of these chapters each day, there's something buried beneath the surface if we're willing to dig for it and search for it and hunger for it and then put it into action. So, Lord, I want to pray for each one of my brothers and my sisters on the screen. Lord, just bring them closer to you. Thank you for using your word to make yourself real to them. I continue, Lord, to put a hunger in us for your word, a hunger to know you more, a hunger to show you more. Lord, even as we see here, that we would be channels for your love more than anything else, that when people would see us, they would encounter Jesus and his sacrificial love. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're going to do. Uh, may all the things that we've been studying today, uh, as Peter said, may they increase more and more, have a greater control of our lives, that you may be glorified. And it's in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.